0: You're listening to Summit Podcasts, where you'll find sermon audio, weekly discussions of the message, the Back 40 Leadership Podcast, and much, much more. Subscribe today at summitpodcasts.church and share this episode with your friends. Summit Church. Every life made different. Good morning, Summit Church. It is such a privilege, such an honor to get to fellowship with you this weekend. Um, Our family has just really um, appreciated the way you've embraced us, brought us in. This has been a growing relationship over the last several years with Overland Missions. We first met Steph over, I think, a video chat. We were at my parents in West Virginia and just talked through um, your values and and the excitement you had of getting connected into... um, different organizations that had a footprint in the nations. Um, my son is with me this morning. He's not in this service. I think by the third time, he's like, okay, dad, I've heard you twice. Can I, can I do something else? Um, my wife and two daughters are um, at our home down in Florida and send their love and would love to have been here. This is a church that we really have come to, to love, the, just the leadership, um, Pastors Mel and Kim, we really honor you and appreciate um, just the way you lead this, this uh, assembly here and, and think the world of what God is doing here in Summit. <clears throat> While I love to talk about missions and rally people to the nations, and I hope many of you have considered um, really what it would look like for you to get to take a chunk of your time this year and go to the nations and go on a trip to Cambodia or Zambia or any other number of places that are, that are taking place um, within Summit, um, I'm not gonna focus a- and talk about uh, the mission field and the stories and, and those kind of things. We have lots of them over the last 20 years. Uh, our family and various things we've engaged with. My wife and I are the international directors of operations, so our task year to year is to kind of touch in with our 25 um, countries that we're permanently in and um, and just see that our team strategy and implementation and vision and uh, the team health is is, is- as well, um, But today, I wanna share the Word of God. Um, I love preaching the Word of God. It's, it is, without question, for me, the most exciting thing I get to do day in, day out, is get an opportunity to sit with people and to communicate and relay what God has revealed to me and what God has demonstrated through not only my life, but so many lives around me within our team uh, with Overland Missions. I'm just so convinced that this Word, is not suggestion. It's not, um, uh, you know, uh, stories of, of old that may or may not be true. This is the anchor of all of life. This uh, dictates future courses. This is, this is fundamental to everything you will do in your life. And the way that this gets activated and expressed in your life is through faith. It's through faith. And so today, my prayer for every person here is that God would give you eyes to see and ears to hear, that there would be a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that the eyes of your heart would be open, that you would know the hope that he has called you to, that there would be no one that leaves this room questioning or or confused about what Jesus accomplished when he declared, it is finished. On the cross. It is the topic that I, if you've heard me preach once, you've heard me preach a million times because I don't change my message. I might change some of the stories or some of the little minor points, but my message is the message. It is that we are in a position to celebrate the unbelievable accomplishment of what Jesus Christ finished 2000 years ago. And out of that finished work, it has changed the course of history. It has changed the course of our lives, changed, changed our destinies, changed our ability to wake up every morning and present ourselves as wholehearted lovers of God. Um, but to begin this morning, I want to start out with a statement. And I hope this statement serves to provoke some of you, or to make you think, or or or, or to confront maybe some uh, some things that each of us have been walking through. But what I felt in my heart is one of the greatest deceptions plaguing the body of Christ today is that we are begging God to receive what Jesus has already freely given and established in us. I traveled. I travel all the time, I I go through a passport, in two years I need a new passport, I'm with the local body of believers in Zambia, in Europe, in Southeast Asia, in South America, and this issue is a global issue. It's not only for the church here in Summit, or the church in America, it is an issue that I find time and time and time again, and I really wanna highlight some of the real pillars of what God has already answered and, and solidified for us so that we don't have to be those who are saying, God, wouldn't you pour out this, or wouldn't you give that? And he's saying, it's yours. You don't have to ask me, you don't have to beg, you know, you have to twist my arm, and, and I have found in my own, in my own life some of the practices and disciplines that I've done have been out of a hope that God, can't you see I'm reading my Bible a little bit more? Can't you see that I've, I've tried to memorize that scripture that was quite a bit longer than the others I've memorized? Can't you see, Lord, I fasted last month? I took a day to fast. Now you have to answer this prayer, right? Have any of us ever done that with the Lord? We're like, okay, I need this thing answered. How do I amp up my disciplines? And then God has to do it. I can speak about it because I've done it. I've I've had that thing inside where I've been like, man, Lord, I'm so desperate for this. And I, I promise you, what I've learned in my life so often is that many of the things that I've cried out to God for are things that he had already freely given me through the finished work of his son. And if we would just learn how to receive, and how do you receive? You receive by faith. If we would just learn how to, by faith, receive what he has said to be true and posture ourselves in a way, and many times the hardest part about That posturing, I mean, uh, I'm gonna use this example, um, Abram, right? God comes to him and says, I'm changing your name and I'm calling you the father of many nations. Now, Abram is married to Sarah and Sarah is barren. Can you imagine the moment that Abram had to correct his friend and say, my name's actually Abraham now? Oh, you want me to call you father of many nations. You know, it's not happening. Your wife's barren by the way. Like how 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 the world pushes back immediately when we begin to exhibit faith. How the devil pushes back immediately when we begin to stand upon the truth of God. How he begins to remind you. Wait, 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 wait. You want to say that you're holy and righteous. Remember last week Remember just last night, the thoughts that went through your mind. Remember a month ago. Remember four years ago. Sometimes the devil has you so has you so ensnared by something that happened a decade ago and you have allowed yourself to be defined more by a moment of what I would call a blip on the radar than the defining of the word of God, than the defining by the son of God who bled and died to secure you an eternal redemption and not only a, a ticket into heaven, but to secure for you the capability to rule and reign on this earth because that's what was included in the finished work of Christ. Not only the the provision of God's grace and mercy and forgiveness for your sins. Yes, your sins are separated as far as the East is from the West, but God's provision of grace through Jesus Christ also secured that you have been empowered to overcome everything that has ensnared you on this earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I like this, I get a little response. So last service, I was like, guys, are we, are we excited about this? This is, this is really not a condemning message. This is like, this is the gospel. This is it, I'm not making things up, I'm not exaggerating, and I'm gonna make sure that we walk through the word today so that you understand this is the word of God for your life. Yeah. Amen. I do get a little excited. So there are some pillars that I want us to walk through, and and first off, I'm going to read. Actually, I'm not going to read through John 19:30. You can just mark that if you're taking notes. John 19:30. This is where Jesus says, "You know, it is finished." It says that Jesus considered that all had been finished, and and then he's on the cross and he utters the words, "It is finished." Um, that that moment is is like at the centerpiece of all of uh, historical narrative. I mean. All all of created order was leaning into that moment, waiting for for when he declared, it's done, it's finished. And the ramifications of that are unprecedented. The ramifications of what Jesus accomplished when he took the authority and the the power of sin and all of the, the sin of mankind, past, present, and future upon his shoulders, plunged it into the grave and resurrected in victory to show that God himself is the owner of all things, is the superior to all things, and that even death in the grave had no hold and no power over Jesus. What he secured for us is something that we are called to celebrate today and we will celebrate forevermore. So the first component of of something that I've cried out for many times in my life is love. The first pillar of, of a thing that we've twisted God's arm for and, and begged him for and pleaded for was that, God, won't you just love me? Won't you just love me? God, I, I, I'm, I, we, we've all been created to receive love. We were all created to live in this love paradigm between us and the Father. And the reality is sin uh, created a barrier. And, it, and it, in its, in its um, insidious workings in us, it, 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 it broke the beautiful image that God created us in, and it, it required that we could not be in his presence. He is perfect. He is unlike any other. The Bible declares him chief among 10,000, uh, pure and holy, uh, the, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the bright and morning star. You can't just waltz into the presence of God as one marred with sin as one marred with the darkness that that has plagued this earth. You must be pure, holy, and undefiled to approach Father God. Well, guess what? Jesus has secured that for you. You will never add to your righteousness. You will never add to your holiness. You will never add to your purity. What Jesus did was perfect. And because of that, what it revealed was that even in our darkest moments, God chose you. What it revealed it really comes from 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, which says, we love because he first loved us. And that sets the tone for our entire lives. I think many times we have this, this concept that, um, okay, well, that, that's how it starts. In my immaturity, God comes and loves me. But in my maturity, it's very different. In a place of maturity, now that I'm a, now that I'm a disciple of Jesus, you know, he loves me because I've done the right thing. He loves me because I followed his commands. He loves me because, you know, I've accrued and acquired and, and listened and, 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 and that's, that's, that's the narrative now. That's well, it's just not biblical. We will, for all, we will forever and always love him because he first loved us. The first time this, that penny dropped in my spirit where I began to really understand that dynamic and really have to wrestle with it, I was 16 years old um, I, I was working at a daycare, um, for my best friend's, uh, mom, she ran a daycare and, and in some ways it was like a ministry. There were, um, a lot of lovely kids, uh, but just had really difficult, um, home backgrounds, some of them. Um, and there was one particular little guy named Anthony. He was five years old and I loved the little guy, but he was ornery as anything. And, you know, he'd come in and you could see, I mean, he had, he had both parents in and out of prison all the time. And when you live in that turmoil as a little guy, um, you, you don't have stability. And, and, and so it's a lot to ask someone who lives in that turmoil to behave and to be orderly because their whole world is, is spun out of control. So I could see when he'd walk in and he'd have that little look in his eye. And I'm like, okay, this, this could be a rough day. Um, and there were a few rules that we tried to adhere to. One of those was there's a big toy box. You can take two toys out of the box, play with the toys as long as you want. If you wanna get more out, put the first two back. And that, that was, a, that was a, a battle point between Anthony and I uh, day in and day out. And there was one day in particular um, where Anthony walked in, he kinda gave me a look, and I could see like, this, this is gonna be a big day. This guy. Yeah, got to strap in and get ready. Like it's, it, 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 we're gonna be throwing down all day long. He just had that that look, and he walked straight up to the toy box. He looked back at me, and he just dumped the whole thing. And I was in a little rocking chair, and I kind of laid back, and, and I thought to myself, like, Lord, I don't know if I'm up for this today. Like, I, I'm I'm not allowed to spank this kid. I know that's against the rules. Um, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I'm I'm frustrated and he's hurting and I don't know what to do. And I felt the Lord ask me, Jake, do you love him? And I thought, I do. I I love this kid. I'm for him. I I want what's best for him, but he won't listen. You know, it's like, I don't know what to do. And I kind of sat back in my my chair there and, and pondered that question. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, tell him you love him. You know, and in that moment, you're like, well, I do love him, but he just dumped out all the toys. Like, now's not the time. And the Lord's like, no, 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 now is the time. In fact, that's the problem. Now is the exact time. And so I looked up and I said, hey, Anthony. And I could see the way he turned. He's like, all right, lay it on. Like, yell at me, do the thing. Like, you know, I I know what's coming. I said, I have something I wanna tell you. And he turned at me and looked and I could see now that my head was on straight, I could see in those little eyes, he was, just, he was just desperate for some attention. You know, it was like negative, positive, it didn't matter. He just, he wanted some engagement. And I said, man, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. You're such a good kid, you know that? I, I just, I see so many things in you that I, I just, I can't wait to see what you're gonna look like as you get bigger, you're so strong, and just started lavishing Love on him. And the little guy, I mean, you could see, he was like totally, totally shocked. And once he kind of snapped out of the moment, he turned around and he, and he assesses the chaos that he's just created. Now I've said nothing else, I've just left it at that. He starts grabbing toys and throwing them in the bucket. You know, and it, the, it was a bin, it was a huge bin. Throwing them in, throwing them in, throwing them in. Once he, and he looks, he's like, okay, everything's clean. He turns and he just makes a mad dash, jumps up into my arms. So I sit there with him, I rub his little back, and I'm like, man, I, I love you so much, bud. I'm so proud of you. Anthony became my right-hand man. I mean, it's like, if, if there was another kid that was, was being disobedient, he's gonna be that look like, I'll take him out for you. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm with you, we're, we're together. I had a whole other set of issues there. I was like, no, you can't beat them down for not listening to me. Um, but something, something happened there in that relationship and he became secured in the fact that I was for him and not against him, and and everyone would come to me. The, you know, the other ladies that worked there and stuff would say, "What have you done? Why does he listen to you? Why won't he listen to us?" And and you know, it it, it just was so beautiful to see. Like all of that behavior was really out of the heart cry of, "I just want you to love me. I just want to know I'm loved. I just want to know uh, that you know uh, someone believes in me." And so later that day, I'm feeling um, awfully uh, holy and righteous in, in you know, what, I've, what I've figured out and sitting there in, in the same chair. Uh, I think it's like at the lunch kind of nap time and uh, just chatting with the Lord. And I felt like the Lord said, Jake, uh, I need to tell you something. I'm like, okay, Lord. And he's like, you are Anthony to me. Like, oh man, <laughs> it's so true. Like I'm the little guy Like just doing everything I can, good, bad, indifferent, but like every time glancing, like, do you love me now? Like, is it, you know, like, are you watching? And man, it pierced my heart and I recognize that in so many ways, so many of us fit that bill. We hear that story and think, oh, what a sweet kid, having no idea, we're all feeling that thing at times. We're all in that place of wondering, you know, God, I know that you remember all the horrible things I've done, but like, would you just look at me right now and tell me you, you believe in me and that this is possible? And so many of us sit in these pews, walk out of here every week, and, and that, core, that core longing has it been answered. And do you recognize that the only way it's gonna be answered is by you believing in what's already been revealed? It's not through something new. God's not waiting for you to figure something out or perfect the thing or whatnot. He needs you to hear and understand that even in your weakest, most vile, terrible state, he chose you, he came after you, but he will not leave you as he found you. He will not allow you to remain as you are. The beauty of Jesus dwelling in us is that transformation is required. The only way to know that Christ is in fact in you is that your life has gone from glory to glory to glory because Jesus cannot dwell in you and you remain the same. It's an impossibility. It's an impossibility. So foundation number one is you're loved. It's not, you know, the narrative of the world tries to tell you how you lack. You lack everything you need. You need to find love in all the worst places and it reveals to you how that's available. And I mean, just realize guys that, Everything the system of the world has created is a narrative against the word of God, the ways of God, the will of God. And we have to have eyes that see and ears that hear and understand who are we going to believe and what are we gonna stake our lives on? What, what flag are we planting in what soil that says this is who I am and this is whose I am and this is what dictates my reality? There is a fight over your life, every one of you. And if you think otherwise, I feel bad for you. Because, you know, it's like, I don't know if any of you used to listen to Keith Green. He, he used to sing that song, No One Believes in Me Anymore. How, you know, the devil's like, I can get anything done now because no one even believes in me. You know, I can, it, it's its a piece of cake now, deceiving people because they don't even realize there's a deceiver on the earth. I want to tell you, there's a deceiver on the earth. And he's, he is out to... If, if, you, if you've already given Jesus your life and he wants to make you believe that what you've received in Christ Jesus is null and void, and he wants to make your life as miserable as possible, even though you're gonna walk through heavenly gates one day. And I wanna tell you, why not be the kind of person that rises up, claims your full inheritance, everything Jesus has purposed and done in you right now, and why not shake the gates of hell all the days of your life? Why not be the person that plunders hell and populates heaven and reveals victory unto victory and the strategy of God being, I mean, that's, that's, that's what we're called to now. It's not, it's not one day when Jesus returns, it's now. It's what's, what we're capable of right now. So number one pillar, you are loved. Number two, you are free, amen? You're free. No, Jake, but you don't understand. I mean, I gave my life to Jesus many years ago, but man, there's this Goliath-like giant that just stares me in the face every day, and I am totally enslaved. It's, it, it, whether it's pornography, whether it's, whether it's uh, some kind of lying, cheating, whether it's uh, anger, you know, oh, Jake, you don't understand. My grandfather was angry. My, my father was angry. I'm angry. It's part of the lineage. It's part of the package I received. There's no way of getting free of this. I wanna tell you, The day you were born again, the Bible says a miracle took place where you were transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. And guess what happened? Every lie of the devil, everything that enslaved you was absolutely ripped off of you that day. It has no claim on you. It's not part of your lineage. You've been grafted into the lineage of Jesus Christ, grafted into his storyline, grafted into his narrative, grafted into his ways. If you wanna talk about whose ways you're a part of in Christ Jesus, you need to look to the Son of God and say, as he was gentle, I'm gentle. As he was enraged against all that stood against the Father, I too am enraged against the right things. Do you hear that? How beautiful, how perfect our adoption is that we have no ties to what we formerly were. It's, It's critical that we become good students of the tenses of scripture. And understand, when when God says something is done, away with, and finished, he means it. He's not suggesting it. He's not saying, I hope that this is the case for you. He's saying, the old man is gone, the new has come. So I want to start us here in this whole thought process of what it means to be free and to not be a slave in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter five, verse one says this, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Remember, I talked about tenses. It's not for freedom, Christ is going to set you free. And many of us live in that place. God, if you would, how many of us have prayed that prayer before, if you would just set me free from this thing? I've done it more times than I'd like to admit. If you would just set me free from this thing. He's saying, funny, um, have you read my word in a while? (laughs) It's done. And you say, yeah, but it's not my experience. When will my experience line up? Well, your experience will line up when you grab a hold of it by faith. Faith unlocks the expression. We say, well, I want the experience to line up, then I'll believe. That's why the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. We are called to be men and women of faith. We stand upon his word. When we stand upon his word in defiance of every other word spoken against us, that's when the fight happens. When Abraham began to say, no, my name is Abraham. And they said, no, Abram, you don't have any children. Your wife is barren and she's old. It's not gonna happen for you, bud. Just stick with Abram. No, God's given me a new name. My name is Abraham. I have a destiny over my life and I will father the household of the nations of God. And where my feet go, God will expand his kingdom. And I'm sure his friends were going, he's lost his mind. But how precious in those days where God spoke a thing to a man and that man grabbed it and said, if he said it, I will believe it. It's fun to sing the song, right? If he said it, we believe it. We sing all these songs and we walk away and we do the exact opposite thing. What does it look like to radically stand upon the word of God over your life? To radically understand what's yours, the promises of God that are are in fact yours through Jesus Christ. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. The problem with freedom is, and this is something I've found over the course of, you know, 20 plus years in the ministry is, for some people, the narrative of their victimization, they're so terrified, if they lose that, they're like, what else do I have? Some of you have had things, terrible things perpetrated against you, but that's become your identity. And the thought of losing that identity is like, what else do I have then? Well, you have freedom. You have, you have uh, an inheritance pure and undefiled from God the Father that is yours. Some of us are clinging so hard to the things that were done to us and God's saying, I'm gonna wipe that so far from your memory and so far from your experience, not even the scars will remain. Because what the devil intended to take you out, God will use not only for your vindication, but he will use to reveal his heart, his love, his purity, your message, your, 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 your entire life will be built around a reality that the world says should not be yours because of what happened to you. And it is yours in Christ Jesus. How do you receive it? By faith, you believe his word. You say, thank you, Father God. Everything you said over me is more true than the things that have been done to me or the things have been spoken over me by my parents or by you know, my coaches or by my enemies or by that one teacher. Some of us have had those moments and we've allowed that moment to define us when it has no authority to do so in light of the authority of Jesus Christ. It had a level of authority, but when Jesus said it is finished, he spoke about everything, everything that came in to counter God's purpose for your life. Everything that has countered God's purpose for your life has been brought to an ultimate end at the finished work of Jesus. It has to bow its knee to the Savior and the King of Kings. Hallelujah. We have to be careful that in that place where it's weird to think, but sometimes we, we, we find a place of comfort in our own, in being victimized or, or, or in what we've done and perpetrated to others. And although God has set us free and we're out and we're able to run and, 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 and enjoy what, what you know the quality of life he's called us to, we actually walk ourselves right back in the prison, close it up and put the shackles back on knowing it's unlocked. That's what it's talking about here. Christ has set us free, stand firm therefore and do not submit again on the yoke of slavery. No, but I, I'm in chain to this thing. No, you're not, that power was broken. We actually now have the authority. I, I needed this word so desperately as a young person because I thought I was enslaved to my sin. I thought there was no way out. I thought there was no possible way for me to have victory. And I thought the whole purpose of Jesus was to secure my way into heaven, even though I was gonna be a miserable sinner the whole time I lived on this earth. And then one day I began reading the scriptures and, and, and godly people around me and, and you know my parents and people began reinforcing the narrative. That, wait a minute. He whom the son sets free is free indeed. I'm free. I began reading through Romans, which we're going to look at next and realizing, wait a minute, the narrative of God over my life is that sin will have no dominion over me because I'm no longer under the law. I'm under the spirit of grace and grace has not just forgiven me of my sins. It's empowered me over sin, massive, massive understanding that we've got to grab a hold of and understand and say every day, thank you, God, this is the word over my life. And this is every experience in my life must come into line with your word. Okay, let's actually jump to Romans. I wanna make sure I'm sticking within um, good time as well. Romans chapter six, we're gonna start in verse five. It says, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified. Did you know that? The old self was crucified. with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Thank you, Lord. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, now don't get confused, because then if you read that and say, one who has died has been set free from sin, so I'll only be set free from sin when I die. It's not talking about natural death. It's talking about the, that quality of death where Paul says, for I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. He was talking about a present reality where he was crucified with Christ and resurrected in his resurrection power, amen? That's what we experience. That's why baptism so beautiful because it is, the, it is the, 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 the representation of you being plundered under the ground and resurrected, totally changed and transformed by Jesus Christ in his resurrection power and glory. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So this whole understanding of being a free person, guess what it means? It means that you are not identified any longer by your sin. You're identified as a saint of the most high God. And if you read the New Testament, you read the new covenant, you realize that was Paul's whole language to the church. I greet you beautiful saints. Now that had to have initially been a shock for so many because the word saint comes from the word hagios. Hagios was the word used to describe the holy of holies in the Old Testament. That was the place that housed the manifest presence of God. One man, the high priest, one time a year was permitted to enter in. And if there was any stain or blemish, any sin in his life, he fell dead. They heard the bells jingle. They pulled him out with the rope and said, better luck next year. And people looked at that room and and, and 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 thought, I never want to be the guy that has to enter into there. The presence and the reality and the, and the manifestation of God as he is was too much for any human to bear. And suddenly, because of what Jesus perfected and finished, suddenly Paul calls the saints, every person named by the name of Jesus, is now the hagios of God, holy of holies, holy of holies. I mean, earth shattering miracle, earth shattering shift. Do you understand that's the shift that has taken place in you? That you don't have to beg and plead God. Please free me. Please, God, let me be holy. Please, God, let me, you know, give me your righteousness in greater measure. No, what we received in Jesus, we received perfectly. His righteousness, his holiness. When God looks at you, he does not see you through, you know, there's this weird thing with the blood of Jesus. Well, I'm just thankful for the blood of Jesus that's covered me that, you know, somehow because God has to look through the blood, he doesn't see you as you really are. It doesn't work that way. The blood isn't isn't like causing God to see you in a way that hasn't actually been transformed. No, when Jesus came into your life, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, behold, the new has come. It's new, new. Jesus said, I make all things new. You are a saint. You are a saint. And when you stand before the Lord, I'm not, I'm not creating language. I'm using biblical language. If, if, if it was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. When you stand before the Lord, do you stand as one identified by your previous self or do you stand as one identified and marked by the finished work of Jesus? That changes everything. When you wake up in the morning, is your presentation before the Lord, here I am, Lord God, one who has been touched by, by the Lord Jesus Christ, totally changed and, 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 and you, have, you have set me on this earth to manifest who you are. The Bible says, as he is on this earth, so are we. It's amazing, unbelievable, the promises of God. You're loved, you're free. Oh, let me me finish this last part of Romans here. It says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So realize he's saying this, Father, here I am. I am your instrument for righteousness. I recognize right now, there's some people in this room that that, that it, the, the thought is repulsive because you think in your mind, I'm so far from that. And what it reveals is, Your issue is not a sin issue, your issue is a faith issue. And because of unbelief, sin has total hold in your life. Because of unbelief. What faith unlocks in your capability and capacity and empowerment to overcome sin is is unimaginable. It changed my life when I began to realize, wait a minute, I need to stand upon the word of God and believe what God has said is true of me. And as I did it, the expression changed. Suddenly, there was an empowerment over sin. Suddenly, when sin knocked at my door, I was offended. Before I was like, oh, yep, you're here, come on in, because that's what I am anyways. All of a sudden, when I began to say, Father God, I'm an instrument of righteousness, and sin began to knock at my door, I was saying, what are you doing here? You have no place with me. There, there's, no, there's, there's nothing relatable any longer. We see the difference. For sin will have no dominion over you, verse 14, since you are not under law, but under grace. All right, number three thing. Number one, you're loved. Number two, you're free, saint of the most high God. Number three, you are equipped. You're equipped. You have everything you need on this earth to fulfill the mandate that God has put on your life you are lacking in nothing. Why can I, and I'm saying everything is answered, everything, every one of these three things are answered through the finished work of Jesus Christ. If you, have, if you are a recipient of grace, I know you have all of these things, perfectly, perfectly delivered. And you can add nothing in your own merit, in your own work ethic, in your own flesh, it's received by God as a gift. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse four through nine. This is one of my favorite verses to preach on in, in uh, remote villages in, in Africa. Um, I've had the privilege over the last 20 years of sitting with, with so many unreached um, or, or very lesser reached people groups throughout Sub-Saharan Africa. And uh, the thing that infuriates me is when missionaries go to these people and sit with them and what they see, what the missionary sees is lack and poverty and hopelessness. And out of that, out of, their own human, um, uh, out of their own humanity, decide, okay, let me do something like, okay, you're hungry, I've brought you a goat. Let me try and alleviate your suffering for a few days and let me clear my conscience a little bit that I've done a good deed and let me go on my way. Have these people been transformed on any level by the handout of a goat? No, but when you can sit with the people and see in them what no one has ever seen before through the lens of heaven, when you can sit with the people and say, I stand before you right now and I see strength and beauty, I see valiancy, I see a a people of God that have been adopted into his tribe With full access to his holiness, full access to his righteousness, full access to his riches, full access to his kindness and mercy. And they're going, what is he? How is he seeing this? How is this possible? No, because when we receive his word over our lives, it changes the way we see everything and everyone. Being able to sit with the people who have not had the opportunity to get past grade five because of finances, many of which have stopped at grade five and sit and say to them, you have everything you need for life and godliness. There is no lack in you. And to be able to confidently say it because I know what God has offered through his son, through the provision of grace, through the provision of Jesus Christ. So let's read here in 1 Corinthians chapter one, verse four through nine. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, So Paul makes it very clear right now that his boast and his confidence in the church of Corinth is on this fact. They have received the grace of God through Jesus Christ. In verse five, he says that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge. Well, there you go. Part of, part of the package of grace, you have been enriched through Jesus Christ in all speech and all knowledge. Some of the greatest preachers I've ever heard were African, remote African ministers who have a grade five education that were touched by the spirit of God. And there's no explanation for it. There's no explanation for their ability to understand the mysteries of heaven and orate them in such power, except for the grace of God was delivered to them as freely as it was to you. What I have found is when you truly have nothing, it's actually easier to receive than when you think you have a lot of things. Your perceived strengths are many times the very thing that keeps you from faith. God, I, there's a lot of things I don't need. Here's the things I need. And he say, no, you need a lot of things. <laughs> Sometimes in our prosperity here in, in the West, you know, we come to God and say, God, these are some things I'm weak at, but I mean, these are some things I'm pretty impressive at. And the things that are perceived strengths are many times the very thing that keep us from receiving from God. that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. So what he's saying here is this package of grace is only available to those who are in Christ Jesus. You can't read this and say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna receive all the package of grace and live it out if Christ does not actually dwell in you, if you're not actually born again, if Jesus is not actually your Lord and King. Verse seven, so that you are not lacking in any gift. There's another part of the package. You are not lacking in any gift. No, but Jake, don't you see when you sit with them, they've never had, you know, the, look at the hand that was dealt to them. That's a, that's a common phrase. Oh, the hand that was dealt to this people. Isn't, that, isn't it so rough? Guys, do you not recognize when Jesus died on the cross, a new hand was dealt to you? Stop being caught up in the natural hand that was dealt to you and get caught up and fixated and and absorbed in what you received when Jesus declared it is finished over your life. When he adopted you in, it changed everything. It changed everything. So that you're not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus. I love this. You know, I talk to people all the time that say, I'm a great starter, I'm a terrible finisher. Probably could have been said of my life in the natural. You know, Jake has all the excitement to start a thing, but he needs people behind him to get the thing finished. But truly, here it says, He will sustain you to the end. You're a finisher. You're not just a starter. You're going to finish the race. You're going to plow through that finish line. And at the end of your race, what's going to be spoken over you is guiltless. Why? Because of how you've done it? How perfectly it's been? No, because the finished work of Jesus Christ is your testimony. Are we together? Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> I know it's a challenge guys, but I but I really I want to I want to challenge How many of us walk into these, you know, to to this room week in week out and we're dealing with stuff and we're saying, God, when will it change? What will be the breakthrough? The breakthrough is the day we believe on the things that he's done. The breakthrough is the day we grab a hold of the promise of God and say, it's not just going to be for someone else. It's going to be for me. I'm going to stand upon his word as my word. It's my word. You have to get a little selfish with this thing and say, you know what, before I can be a blessing to others, I have to be transformed. Far be it for me to go be a missionary and tell people about the things of God and to be rejecting the things of God for myself. What am I leading people into then? Yeah. It's available. And we're so we've become so numb to this message because the delusion, the constant barrage against of of the devil against us saying, it's not for you. This is why it's not for you. Look at how you've proven time and again, it's not for you. It doesn't matter. He's called the accuser of the brethren for a reason. He's terrified that you would wake up to the reality of the provision of God and the promise of God over your life and begin to walk in the full authority that is yours. Who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's quickly flip to second Peter. I might do the unthinkable and end remotely on time. Second Peter chapter one, verse three, his divine power has granted to us all things. Can you say all things? It's not just most things, it's not some things, it's all things. His divine power, not according to your power, according to his divine power, he has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Isn't it awesome that he hasn't just dealt with spiritual matters for you, but everything that pertains to life, you have all things through Jesus Christ. Through the knowledge of him, through the knowledge of him, through the knowledge of Christ, who has called us to his own glory and to his own excellence. Meaning this, your standard is not his standard. We gotta wake up to the standard of Christ and understand that that's what we've been called to. The standard of your life in Christ is now the standard of his glory, and the standard of his excellence. And if he has set it as your standard, he's equipped you to live it out. It's available to you. You do not have to live out a substandard to the standard of Christ. By which he is granted to us. Now this is, now it's saying in verse four, this is how you access that standard. Listen, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So that through them, the promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature. What does that look like? Well, Galatians talks about spiritual gifts and spiritual fruit. You cannot buy love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It cannot be purchased. I've been, it doesn't, you don't acquire it through wealth. I've been around a lot of very wealthy people who have none of these qualities. Unhappy as anything you've ever been around. When you possess the promise of God and you begin to walk it out by faith, you possess love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's yours. It's the greatest possession on earth. Money can't buy it, wealth can't buy it, popularity can't buy it. It only comes through the promise of God, being grafted in to his tribe, to his way. And then it says this, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. It simply says, you've escaped it. It's not part of you anymore, amen. So let's finish here. What does it look like to present your life based upon these truths? What does it look like to live a life where you're not presenting yourself to the world saying, just come get me, I'm a sinner anyways. Do what you'll do. I know I've got my insurance policy to get into heaven, so this is, this is my lot in life. What does it look like to wake up every day and say, here I am, Lord God, I'm an instrument of righteousness. I'm here to plunder hell and to populate heaven. I'm here to exhibit the qualities of my savior and King Jesus Christ, his standard is my standard. And I thank you, Lord God, I'm not doing it out of arrogance. How could you do it out of arrogance when it was gifted? How could you do it out of haughtiness? If you understand you've never added an ounce to it. And how could you wake up thinking of anything else but the provision of Christ when it is this great. And I have to keep myself in check every day. You wake up and uh, you know the first thing I wanna do is pop my phone on, start reading the news, letting the loo- let the news inform me about the day. Oh, it's gonna be a rough day because this happened in the world this way. And it's crazy the way we program ourselves. God's saying, wake up and present yourself and settle yourself to his agenda and to his facts and move from that place. And when contrary facts present themselves, you be the one to reset the atmosphere. You be the one to reset the truth. You be the one to reset the narrative because it's so in, you're so entrenched in it every day in your heart and in your mind. So Romans chapter 12 says this. It says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Here's what it's saying. Because for many years I read this and then I would say, God, please make me holy. God, please make me acceptable. I mean, it's not meant to be a silly thing. We've all said the prayer. It's a beautiful prayer, but I'm trying to twist God's arm to do what he's already done. What does it look like when you say, I'm gonna believe the facts of what Jesus has done on my behalf. Thank you, Father God. I present myself to you right now as one who is in fact holy and acceptable because of the provision of Jesus Christ. I thank you that you have done in me what I could have never done for myself. And I'm going to present myself to you right now. And this says here, when you do it this way, when you do it his way, based upon faith, you become a spiritual act of worship. It unlocks something in you where God says, that's my kid. That's my son. That's my daughter. Listening to my voice, doing it my way, drawing close to me based upon the only thing that allows them to come close, the finished work of Jesus Christ. I know we're gonna have a time of prayer um, and I'm, I'm super excited because I, I just feel like many times when, you, when you're challenged by the word of God, the right thing to do is immediately act upon it. Don't walk away and get overly inundated with football, which I will watch. I enjoy football. I'm not saying it's, it's, you know, you're a bad person. I'm just saying, be careful. Be sober-minded. If God has started to awaken a truth in you that could change your life, act on it. Move upon it right away. Don't let that word be snuffed up by the devil and then a week later you're going, man, I wish I could remember three words that were said because it felt like it was important. Amen? Okay, Steph, come on. If you enjoy this content, please let us know by rating and reviewing the podcast. You can also contact us at summitpodcast.church. Remember to share this episode with your friends and on social media. Summit Podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Thank you for listening to Summit Podcasts, and we will see you in the next episode.